and the Christian consciousness movement is ever expanding. Srila Prabhupada said, uh, my disease is that I can't think small, I'm always thinking big. And I think uh, Akhandi Prabhu mentioned this morning that our work is not done until the entire British Isles come to celebrate this occasion with us. So we're really going to be delving a little bit today, uh, drawing on the experience of the wonderful Vaishnavas who are here. Uh, we'd like to welcome His Holiness Shivra Maharaj, who is uh, being a was here, the spiritual leader, the GBC, for uh, so many years, inspiring, spearheading the Yatra, uh, so much experience, and uh, we'll be really drawing on some of his uh, uh, insights into the British Yatra. We'd also like to welcome His Grace Akhandari Prabhu. was here as president for so many years and continues to be involved, inspiring and giving new ideas as to how we can further the mission. So happy to have you here and of course we'd like to welcome His Grace Naveen Krishna Kuru. As you know, Naveen Krishna Kuru uh, was one of the pioneers of the Pandasena and has gone on to uh, yeah, mastermind so many different projects uh, under the Avanti Trust, um, restaurants, retreat centers, and is really uh, one of our leading pioneers in this generation. So happy to have him here. Um, there is one more seat here. Uh, we're waiting for Narada Muni to come. <laughs> Uh, we are. Um, we hopefully will be joined also by His Grace Krikamaya Guru, um, who again is a stalwart in the British Yatra, who has been travelling up and down the country, um, uh, yeah, for practically his whole Krishna conscious life. So we'll be hearing from him as well. We just begin by offering our respectful obeisances unto Shri Prabhupada and the Vaishnavas. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Vishaya Bhutale Srimate Bhakti Devananda Swami Nikinamine Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Kishayane Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatra Deshakarine Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhupada Shiva Shiva Sri Gaura Bhaktavinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama Hare Hare It's very exciting in this room, we have so much experience, but we have so many individuals who are active and engaged in the Krishna Consciousness Movement and Bhaktivedanta Mala in this time. We hope today will generate some real inspiration and some real um, insight as to how to move things forward. Bhaktivedanta Mana has grown over 50 years to be a vast temple. Uh, I think there's something like 80 departments here, dozens of projects connected to the Mana. The Mana also plays a role in uh, other aspects of ISKCON around the world. I just wanted to begin by asking perhaps we can begin with Shivra Maharaj. What you feel the biggest potential and unique uh, 
yeah, potential of Bhaktivedanta Tamana is in the ISKCON world. What what do you think that the mana can really do something for the world, do something for the ISKCON world that is really its unique potential? Money. <laughs> you don't have it, you can't do anything, you may have a lot of nice plans. Unfortunately, Bhaktivedanta Manu is very much favored by Srimati Radharani, Lakshmi Devi. So uh, it has the ability uh, to at least go somewhere. I mean, so much, so, <coughs> so much money in the world around us uh, that Karmis have. Uh, by comparison, we're, as we used to say, some very small timers. But amongst and ISKCON is, uh, honestly speaking, more or less an impoverished society. We have uh, GBC members who can't afford to fly to a GBC meeting, and their yatras can't afford it. So, uh, Bhaktivedanta Manor is very fortunate in that sense. And so, whatever we're going to talk about ultimately is going to require manpower, energy, money, and uh, manpower you can get if you have Lakshmi, but uh, if the Lakshmi is not there. And of course, Lakshmi needs to be really super well managed. Prabhupada is always very concerned. It's my blood. You're just spilling my blood. So I just hand that over to a hundred people. He managed a lot of the matters like <laughs> And uh, see if he has something to add. Thank you, Maharaj. Um, your question, Maharaj, is um, the potential that the manor has. And the manor is unique, um, I think, in the world, in that we're ahead of the curve of the trajectory that I think Srila Prabhupada wanted for his movement. I think we all wish maybe it had been quicker, but the trajectory I think works like this. When Prabhupada, before Prabhupada went to the West, he wanted his godbrothers, he wanted the industrialists, he wanted the politicians of India to support him, to give money, to give support, to give whatever he needed for his preaching mission in the West. They gave nothing, practically. So Prabhupada came to the West, he established his temple, he made his devotees. That was phase two. He brought them back to India and he inspired the development of ISKCON in India in a way that was unimaginable. Now, all those that Prabhupada wanted to help his movement, to help his mission, reach every single soul in the world should now be contributing and supporting Prabhupada's mission. Now is the time for the community who has realized what Prabhupada wanted of him to really get behind and not just invest in the programs that benefit them and their families, but benefit everyone and reach all those souls who do not yet know 
how important Krishna is in their life. So I think the manner is now at that stage when we can really take off, when we can really do the exemplary preaching and have the impact on this country of Britain that Prabhupada wanted. Um, I'll speak up. Is that better? It's a uh, bass. Yeah. Could you turn the bass down on the um, the Roman? Um, I think that one of the aspects that I was thinking about was that Srila Prabhupada said that 50% of his work is done and 50% remains. And the other 50% in terms of this point around Varnashram and all of what that means in terms of how does, when we say Srila Prabhupada built a house in which the whole world can live, how does every single person uh, connect to that vision? How does you know, anyone in any profession uh, connect to that vision? And for us to be able to lay that out in a way which takes us from a stage of uh, kind of either theory and pure devotional practice extending out to be able to include everyone within that within that movement and mission and I think that will also help us reach out to individuals who are not necessarily you know familiar with Indian Krishna culture uh, who are not um, I think Apanita was kind of referring to this piece also um, this morning just about every single person in the British Isles and um, so yeah I think that for me is quite an important piece how do we how do you create that vision so that everyone in the in society can see how they relate to Krishna consciousness as opposed to seeing it as a foreign culture which they really have nothing to do with? And I think that for us, if we can if we can address that challenge, I think we can start to reach audiences we've not reached before. As we speak, we also invite everyone to think of questions that may come in your mind and we'll, we'll be opening up pretty quickly. As we've been hearing um, the memories of the last 50 years, and especially about the early days, the pioneering days, we look at Bhaktivedanta Manor now and we see it's an established temple, it's an institution, there's, there's a structure, there's uh, thousands of devotees. And what I'd like to ask you, and maybe we could begin with Naveen, because I think he's a good example. In this generation, people often come to the Hare Krishna movement, and we may not have the same urgency, the same pioneering spirit, the same adventure, the same sense of responsibility. I think in this age, it's very easy for people come to come to Bhaktivedanta Man and feel like they're just a, a kind of cog in the machine, or they can't really make a difference, or someone else will do it, or you know, not really having an expansive or creative vision. And the Vimpuru, you've managed to come in, um, you know, in the 90s when things were fairly established, but you really created projects. You really looked at being innovative and. How would you encourage the you know, present members of Bhaktivedanta Manor 
to imbibe that mood of creativity and initiative and pioneering spirit. That the the pioneering spirit wasn't just something for 50 years ago, but it's it's now. It's happening now. I think it, um, I think it's quite natural that you know after the first phases that we've heard so much about over the last couple of days of establishing Krishna consciousness. Um, and then after that, the trouble and the difficulties that were faced in that process for there to be quite a long period of just wanting to stabilize and just wanting to make things safe and secure. And I think uh, Akali Prabhu's point about now the manner being ready to springboard into another stage is, is quite a, a relevant one because we have everything. We have everything laid out essentially for us. From one perspective, um, when I got mo most involved with the temple was during the campaign days. And that was really a godsend, just in terms of you couldn't have hoped for a more compelling uh, rallying call for people to be inspired by in terms of you know uh, becoming so involved and dedicating their, their, their life to Krishna consciousness. And so for many of us, that changed our life. Um, and I think it's the role of leadership to create that that um, that cause for everybody in terms of what is that that we're driving towards, and to uh, reframe it for every generation because it requires that reframing. Because otherwise, as you say, Maharaj, that we can seep into kind of a level of complacency. Everything's done for us. Um, but I also think that there's. Each generation will interpret that in its own way, and it may not look like what I had when I was young. And so I see that in the younger generations. They're doing things differently to have a different cause, but it's, it's no less a dedication than we had during the campaign. It's just, it's differently manifest. And I think it's important for us to also recognize that, that it may not be the same as what we experienced, but um, it's there nevertheless. Sometimes uh, this generation of devotees coming into an organized temple can feel like it's already been done. What part do I have to play? Can I really make a difference? How can we inspire the pioneering spirit even today? If I get to carry the way to stop. I may not uh, exactly speak about what uh, you're asking, but uh, it's uh, certainly connected. I mentioned that we need uh, money, and certainly we need money. But, uh, and uh, Naveen was talking about the Varnashram, and what Srila Prabhupada wanted is Varnashram for the world. But preceding that, he wanted the uh, pilot project, which is ISKCON, that Varnashram was actually established. One half we, one half we have. Uh, we have brahmacharis, we have brihastas, we have anapastas, we have sannyasis. And more or less, there are certain uh, rights and uh, obligations in all of these. For Varna, we're quite far away. However, uh, when you talk about the, you know, the urgency of missionary activity, 
meet missionaries. And the missionaries are those people who established what we have now. Now, the, the manor has a wealth of uh, devotees from the Indian community. And uh, it should have equal amount from the Western, but that's a different about Western, at least here uh, from uh, those who are not from the uh, Indian community, let me put it that way. But in any case, my, my lament is that the parents, the adults, as well as then their children, don't have the same type of commitment to actually be missionaries either full-time, like you, or even part-time for three, four, five years. Brahmachari Guru Vasadanto Guru This is part of our nashram. This is part of our culture. Now, this is not part of my culture. It's not part of UK culture. It's part of, I'm pointing to anybody who has a darker uh, complexion. It's your culture. So, why am I, why is a Kandari, why is Anukot Prabhu, uh, why is Shuti, Prana, and so many others, Gadadhar, and let me uh, name some uh, ladies as well. Why is, uh, oh, I forget all <laughs> No, 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 Naba, Naba Swati, and uh, Ruchira, uh, of course she's not Indian, <laughs> she's not in this life. Uh, why, why aren't we having that same type of flow, influx of devotees? Because you can do a lot part-time, but you do a lot more full-time. And aside from what you do, there is a certain training. There's a training that devotees are meant to have. Get up at four o'clock in the morning. Now, there may be a lot of devotees in here. Uh, stick, put your hands up if you're getting up before four o'clock in the morning. Okay, well, that's a small percentage of those who are getting up before four o'clock in the morning. Raymond, you're not getting up before four. <laughs> so that's our what, what's about it? what's getting up at four o'clock in the morning you know the uh, birds do that and uh, at least at certain times of the year so what actually made Bhaktivedanta Manor and all of the success that happened and before you're talking about uh, you know Akandari Prabhu he is the person who saved the manor you should all understand that. There were so many other people involved, but he was the leader. And ultimately, you don't get anything done without a leader. So I have a certain uh, problem in terms of getting a mission moving is if you don't have missionaries. And that means for boys, and for girls. And it should be the duty that at least at age 18, everybody, yesterday, boys were coming up to me. I don't know what they said to me, but I just asked them, how many rounds do you chant? How old are you? 
18-year-old move into the temple. And that's what they should be doing. And they should be getting at least two, three years training. And perhaps they may want to make the same type of choice that you made and other devotees made, and they're being deprived of it because they never get the opportunity for a choice. So here we are, listen, we're aging people. We're like, what to speak of on the way out? We've got half, half a leg out there in the other world. <laughs> and we need, we need real missionaries. So, okay, the majority of the devotees who are coming here are, are from uh, India. Great, either directly or indirectly. Great then take responsibility for the mission. Send your boys, send your daughters to Bhaktivedanta Manor. Let them get trained. Let them know what it means to stand on the street eight, 10 hours a day uh, and sell Srila Prabhupada's books. Get arrested. Of course, that doesn't, <laughs> it's, part of, it's part of the game. Uh, and because you don't do that to Pasya, you don't really know what Krishna consciousness is about. You may be talking a lot about many things, but you don't know it until you've done it. Asta, am I right? Uncode. So we need those, then we'll have a mission. And then you have devotees, and we have so many brains. We have very few brains, like Naveen Krishna Prabhu, but we've got a lot of very, very intelligent and creative people. Sure, that also has to be there. And if someone decides that that's what they want to do after three, four years, let them do that. This was the Krishna consciousness movement we moved into. I don't know if there were any devotees living outside of the manor when we got the manor. <laughs> Everyone was living inside. And when I first came here in 1979, uh, devotees were sleeping on the stairs, on the landing, on the stairs, and that's how we lived. And it was great. That's what makes, that's what makes missionaries, that's what makes people willing to sacrifice their lives. I am originally Jewish. Why did I give my life for Krishna consciousness? Uh, and why haven't those whose culture and religion this is, doing the same thing. And I'm not belittling all the services that everyone's rendered, but part of this is to show people that this is ultimately where Krishna consciousness leads. Ultimately, it leads to austerity and renunciation. Whether you're Grihasta or anybody else, you've got to give up this world your family, your friends, it's just an illusion. They're just other souls passing by, having some short-term contact with you. Anyway, I told you you should stop me. He's the one who, he was dragging them out. Shuri, Prana, he dragged them and brought them in. <laughs> Actually, it started from what Naveen was talking about, uh, Varnashram. 
And in 77, 78, we did a pres I did a presentation to Jaya Tirtha about Varnashram. And because at that time I'd been working in, in the uh, life membership program. And we were engaged in making life members and it was an important fundraising activity for the manor. But we said, we can do more. Because I'm meeting people, I think they're devoted. I think the families I'm dealing with and the young people I'm meeting, these are, can be devoted. And everyone's saying, nah, nah. They will, they will. The next generation from the Hindu community will not be interested. Their parents have just come from Kenya and Uganda and so on. They're, they're fine, but the next generation are lost. No, I don't think that's going to happen. So we got permission, and this was something that was, to this day, I don't understand how the temple president, Kankaja Hari, who knew we were under pressure financially, but he allowed me to change the whole tenor of the life membership program so that we were running youth clubs. Every evening of the week, our group, we go out, maybe meet a few people in the, in the um, shops during the day, raise a few adverts, and every evening we were running these crazy uh, youth clubs and in different parts of London and the Midlands. We were allowed to do that. And from that, uh, the famous story, of course, is the youth club we opened in Wembley where we thought we'd have huge success. First night, only three persons turned up. And the dude said, are we still going to do the program? We said, yeah, yeah, we'll do the program. We did the full, you know, our electric gear dance, our drama, our little chats. And then those three persons who were at that program, one was Atman Vaden Swami. The other, another was Pranabandhu. And the third, Shruti Dhan. And they were just three out of 26 devotees who joined from the Hindu community in within one year, all from those youth clubs. So the potential, and many of them engaged here still at Bhaktivedanta Manor, and some of them are still engaged in other projects around the world. So the potential for filling our ashrams is huge. And this is so important. Because we have such good support from the Grihasta community, and they're being looked after extremely well, and I actually, it is so impressive. We did um, a survey of 45 of the projects uh, outreach projects that the manor is doing. We did, and um, we produced a report uh, earlier this year on that analysis, trying to look at synergy and the way and the way the programs can work together. And what we identified was that for the audience we can call familiar, familiar with Krishna consciousness, people who have heard about Krishna in their upbringing, in their background, in their family, who know about what a temple is, who know something about the Gita. We know they don't understand the philosophy properly until they meet the devotees. But they've got some familiarity. For that community, we have been absolutely brilliant setting up all the functions and programs that they need from first contact through development, through cultivation, through 
um, encouragement of their commitment and to engagement for their whole life. And actually, I've got to give a huge credit to Naveen Krishnaburg because it is the um, setup that has emerged from the uh, Pandavasay, which has is so incredibly potent, looking after all the individuals from childhood through their youth, through their engagement when they go to university, when they get out of university, and connecting them into the temple. It's a perfect setup for bringing people into Krishna consciousness, helping them become uh, initiated and. I don't know, maybe so many of you in this room have come through that process or benefited from it. But the interesting thing with the familiar audience is that anyone who considers themselves from the familiar audience, i.e. you had some upbringing that, that talked to about Krishna, at least you know, knew that Krishna was meant to be God or something. One of the gods at least. At least you knew that. How many of you who have come to Krishna consciousness from that situation already knew a devotee you already knew a devotee in your family a friend a cousin an uncle auntie parents right someone encouraged you to come to the temple someone kept on at you the temple's really nice you should come join the festival help out in the uh, service Join our car, pick, car park club. Help in the kitchen, right? You were encouraged and encouraged and encouraged. That made you a devotee. Because there's only one way to make a devotee. Sadhu Sangha. Association with devotees. That's all that counts in becoming a devotee. Right? Every bit of preaching, every program we do is a trick to give people association with the devotee. That's all it is. It's as simple as that. But those from what we call the non-familiar audience, they don't know any devotee. No one in their family, perhaps. None of their friends. In fact, it could be worse. They could be discouraged. No one is contacting them and helping them connect regularly. They might come to a one-off program and really like it. They might pop into the temple and really like it. But no, they don't have that same connection. They need a different type of encouragement, a different type of structure. But actually, ultimately, it has to manifest what Naveen, Krishna, and Pandavasen have done. We actually have to have that same connection and encouragement for their whole way through their life. That's a big ask. And we haven't got that yet. So we need to start. Uh, there's lots of elements of that available at the manor. But we need to coordinate them and structure them and help them. And one of the most important things is the ashram, the residential ashram. Particularly, and it's for everyone, as Maharaj said, but particularly for the familiar, uh, for the non-familiar audience, they sometimes they need to be taken out of their circumstances away from their bad association and habits and given a chance to be in the ashram to become free, to become fully attached to Krishna but more importantly the ashram experience is where we learn to surrender where we learn to rely entirely on Krishna 
where we learn to put ourselves beyond our comfort zone, perhaps beyond our safety zone, and just knowing that we're reliant on Krishna, and seeing the magic, the mysticism that happens, and being able to look and say, Krishna's been very kind, Krishna's looked after us. There is a magic, there is a huge realization that comes from that missionary experience. And I ask all those who are ashram trained here, please take this opportunity this week, talk to all the young folk and tell them what they're missing. <laughs> yeah. Tell them what they could be experiencing. Tell them the level of Krishna consciousness that is available when you give yourself to Sankirtan. When you get out there and just do the, the utmost for Krishna, not worrying about anything else. You will be so much benefited. We may think that times have changed and people don't join ashrams anymore. That's rubbish. It's happening over there in, with our teams in Cardiff. Full ashram. Bursting at the seams. Many of us will remember those days that Maharaj was talking about. 14 of us in one single little room. Snoring away. No one can sleep. 14 in a room. Have we got 14 brahmacharis in the ashram now? And the ashram, it's got to be the core of our preaching movement. The brahmachari, brahmacharini tejas, that power of surrender, is what actually drives this movement. You know? We've got incredible preachers. I know many of the grihastas here are doing incredible outreach and programs and preaching. And that's fantastic. But they need to be nourished. They need to be inspired. They need the brahmachari ashram also encouraging them and giving that youthful spirit and dedication. We all need it. We all want to see it. We all need to be encouraged by it. So that is a major kind of challenge now for us. We have facilities here. We have the opportunity. We have the huge audience. We have the interest. Let's fill our ashrams and really get the missionary spirit back up and running. Hare Krishna. I just wanted to say, Maharaj, that I, when you were speaking, um, you gave me flashbacks of an 18-year-old hearing you say the same thing. And uh, I just wanted to say, you changed my it's life. all I talk about, but I come here. <laughs> But it hasn't worked. <laughs> I, I think I asked you, Maharaj, when we were saying this, I said to you, um, I was really scared. I said, but my parents won't like it. And you said, uh, tell them to come to me, I'll speak to them. <laughs> and that was more scary than telling them. <laughs> so I just told them. <laughs> Kripa Mahaprabhu and Mother Guru are 
our great inspirations here at Bhaktivedanta Mana. They've been here with us, inspiring us uh, year in, year out with the spirit of mission. We've been talking about taking responsibility for the mission. You have often talked about your story of how you met the devotees at the music festival and joined as a, a young man. Um, would you like to share something on this spirit of mission and especially a, a message for the younger generation here um, in whose hands we can say the future of Bhaktivedanta Mana lies? I was 17 when I walked through the door after three days of empty bins and sweeping floors. They said, do you like traveling? Be careful, my young ones, of that question. <laughs> do you like traveling? So I said, yes, I like traveling. So we're putting you with Tribuka now. We're doing a festival program all over the UK. I thought, that sounds interesting. So one night, one night, Chibubanath was uh, he taken myself and Bamsi Vardhana, who was another Buddhist reader, and he said, we'll just go outside the manor and try and find a place to sleep for the night. So we went to sleep, and in the morning, four o'clock, I heard this conch blowing, and I thought, oh, we only went down the road and now we're back at the manor. We were in Edinburgh. He'd driven us all night. That was the spirit of detachment that we had to have. But I was walking through Edinburgh and I saw myself in a plate glass window. The Hare Krishnas had taken my hair. The Hare Krishnas had taken my backpack. They'd taken my trousers. And they'd taken my... They'd taken everything. They'd taken all my thoughts and they put their own thoughts there and I looked and I thought, what's happened to me? So I went to Jerusalem and I said, I'm a bit worried about the speed at which I'm taking out this Christian consciousness. I may have some of my own ideas. And he said, he said, whatever you want to do, you can ultimately do it all for Krishna. I said, well, maybe, you know, maybe I want to be married at some point in the future. I heard that's an option. He said, yes. It's an option, but just looking at you, I can see that you've got all potential to become a sannyasi. <laughs> maybe, maybe in five years' time. And the way he said, he said it with such conviction that I dreamed suddenly I was a sannyasi. So I thought, okay, I'll wait. Anyway, message to young people is that you're only young once, or according to the philosophy of Bhagavad Gita, you're young many, many times. If you've been attracted to Krishna consciousness in this life, so young, it's because you've practiced in a previous life. So the fact that you're interested young means that it's most appropriate for you to take it up seriously at a young age. The only Krishna consciousness I know is when you take it up young and you live it for the rest of your life. So it's 50 years for Bhaktivedanta it's 49 years for me. I can say, looking back on my 17-year-old self, and sometimes they say, would you have told your 17-year-old self something? I would have just said, just go for it. <laughs> just do it. 
unless you have any better ideas. And I didn't. <laughs> the other thing I would say is that we have a, a, a slight change, change of focus that's taken place over the years. When I joined, I said, they said, come and join the Hare Krishna movement. I thought George Harrison would be sitting in a bush somewhere back to Grand Manor strumming a guitar. They said, it's his house in the country. I thought, okay. <laughs> So when does he come? Oh, he comes eventually. <laughs> they said, uh, I said, well, where's the Hare Krishna movement? Because there was 20 devotees living here, 20 devotees living in the very place. They said, we are creating the Hare Krishna movement. We are creating it for Prabhupada. And you can help us. I thought that was wonderful. And when they said creating the Hare Krishna movement, there was this conception. And I know it's very strange conception just now. But London was one thing. London was one thing. It was London, brackets, country. London, brackets, city. Two temples, interchangeable manpower. And eventually, under Sri Ramanaj's direction, we had the Sri Sri Radha Gokulananda, Sri Sri Radha London Ashwara, traveling at Sankatan Party. But uh, it was a joint effort. But the scope of the mission here from Bhaktivinoda was not North London, not even North and Northwest London, but it was the whole country. So the fact that we've slipped into becoming a provincial temple for a provincial congregation, to me, marks one of the hallmarks of the, the end of the missionary period. We could rise again, and it's up to the young people, to claim back an actual territory of the, the entire country. If the most powerful temple in this whole country is not thinking of the rest of the country and really seriously thinking about how we're going to take the mission to the rest of the country, then that's a sad thing because other entities of different parts of the, of the country cannot do it by themselves. So I would say, yes, please join young, but please think big. Think not Wembley and Harrow only, but think of your country. Ask not what this man can do for you, but what you can do for Islam. Isn't this wonderful? Um, I think we have such a wonderful opportunity here to uh, mine these jewels from these amazing missionaries. So we're going to open it up and see whether there may be some questions. Um, or we can, along with questions, we can also have any comments from um, senior devotees, disciples of Shiva Prabhupada, or anyone that would like to push the Dharma Guru or something. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Barbara, and Prabhupada, for your wonderful discussions. Um, I was. <coughs> I picked up on something that Kandidi probably said, which I felt was very important. Um, he mentioned how, you know, we've got the programs which bring people in, and we're extremely good at that, you know, outreach and getting the numbers, and we can see at our festivals, thousands and thousands of them are flooding in. But then what to do with them, you know? There was, after that, how to keep them for the long haul, you know, for their life. Um, and I think that's where we've struggled over the years. I mean, I'm looking at this 
50 years celebrating it again. I'm thinking, gosh, all the people who were around back then when I joined moved into the ashram. Where are they now? You know, and over the years, I think I've seen, you know, in 44 years I've been around, the attrition rate has been sadly very high. And even if, you know, they're not gone completely, they're out there struggling with a wife, a couple of kids, three kids, you know. And, um, and so the question is, what are we going to do? Because I, 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 as you spoke, I was remembering how Srila Prabhupada said in 1972. He said, okay, we've got enough now. We've got enough temple. We've got enough people now. We have to boil the milk. He, he stressed that. He, he wrote several times. He wrote to the GBC. Your first duty is to go out and train the devotees in studying our books, in you know, discussing them and seeing things from different lights, understanding our philosophy, and that will be, then they will naturally take up the mission. This is a lot here talking about the mission. mission you know, why don't they have the missionary spirit? Because, you know, maybe this aspect needs to be more emphasized. A lot of talk about outreach, but in-reach is also really important. You know, the inside-out approach. But if we work with what we've got, we boil that milk, we turn it into cream, then naturally things will expand. People will take up the mission, move into the ashram, go on the street for eight hours, whatever we want. But you know, they need to be nurtured in that way, cultivated in that way. And especially, not so much for that, you know, I mean, it's great that we can get them to do that, but the real long haul in their family, in their life as they go on, 20 years down the line. Let's look back, we don't keep the figures, you know, we haven't got any real data. But if we, you know, go back 20 years, all the people who came then, are they still around? Are they still, are they charging 16 rounds, following the four ranks? I mean, we all know, you know, there's, you know, it's, it's not very good, the, the figures. So, I think that's where we need to focus a lot of energy. You mentioned it, and I, I really appreciate that. And I think, yes, let's sit, sit down together and, and think about that. You know, what can we do to really make that a reality, the image? I don't know what you think. When we did this review for the Manners Outreach, we identified, we were working from the path of devotion that Kutmoya uh, gave us from the GBC, you know, the different stages that people go through. And we interpret that as six types of initiatives or activities or programs that we need in order to look after that. Let me run through them quite quickly. First, is we call first contact. We go out and announce our existence to others. We do that in Harinam, book distribution. People aren't asking for it, they're not coming to us. We're going out, letting them know we exist. And when we do that, we have to give them what we call the invitation opportunity. We have to then give them something that they take away. It could be a leaflet for a festival, an invitation to come to the temple for a particular program, or something online, or we give them Srila Prabhupada's books, which is an invitation for them to study and become attracted, but also to connect with us. So, first contact, then invitation opportunities. And actually, we're quite well served by the manner for opportunities that we are inviting. We have many open dates. We host many of the other 
um, outreach activities that are going on in the universities and in London. We do special days for them here. We're doing a lot of that. But the third item is the devotee friendship. Connection with a devotee who is going to care for you. Who you feel, this person actually has my welfare. And if they don't see me coming to the temple this week or next week, they'll give me a call and say, oh, where are you? you know, we needed you for this program. Would you like to come? We've got a festival. Such and such is happening. That's the sort of encouragement, personal connection that is needed. Then we link them into our cultivation programs. This is probably the biggest section, section four, cultivation, because it involves a series of S's, association, sangha, uh, Svadhyaya, study of Prabhupada's books, um, sadhana, you know, the practice, seva, service, um, sankirtan, giving them an opportunity to engage in outreach themselves at an early stage, sanskriti, which is our culture, sankalpa, the resolution to take on the disciplines of a devotee's life including regular principles, certain number of rounds, and so on. So that's all part of the uh, cultivation stage. And then the final, uh, then there's immersion. We have to give people immersion opportunities to get out of their household situation and live an overnight with devotees. Here in the ashram, at retreats, and trips to India, wherever. And that, those are transforming. And the eighth one is, sorry, the sixth stage is lifelong care as a devotee. Enabling individuals to be devotees throughout their whole life, not just for the period that they're in the ashram, not just for the period when they're first excited, but all the way through. And I think it's really important that perhaps many of our, the friends we knew, Many are discouraged that they're not feeling where's their place in Prabhupada's movement. Because we were trained that it needs to be under the care of ISKCON, under the authority of ISKCON. Many devotees are doing very interesting, exciting things on their own, in their own little way. But there's always this nagging feeling that we're meant to do it as part of Prabhupada's movement. And I think that's a challenge for our major temples, here and everywhere. And the manor probably can be a leader in this. That it's wonderful to have these programs where we appreciate the service of devotees over the years, past years, and what they did in pioneering. But I think every devotee wants something else. They would love to be engaged. They'd love to feel that they're doing something substantial for Srila Prabhupada, particularly in these latter parts of our <laughs> bodily existence. We really want to feel that we're engaging in service. So I think that's something that really needs to be on offer. I mentioned um, the work that Naveen Krishna has done and that's going on throughout the, um, the manor, particularly with the School of Bhakti. Um, and all the incredible programs that are there, the mentorship programs that we have at the Manor, these are looking after the familiar audience and they are so brilliantly fulfilling all those six activities that we are 
generating lifelong devotees and giving them care. But it, we don't seem to have the same level of coordination and facilitation for those from the non-familiar audience. It's a much greater challenge, but if there's any temple that can do it, If I can just add to that, and maybe I may disagree with something. Uh, in establishing Varnashram, Srila Prabhupada wanted that Iskand be the model. So, of course, there's a real interesting question who's a member of Iskand? And uh, GBC has a definition, which is anyone who, you know, accepts Prabhupada Krishna and the authority of the GBC. I didn't vote for that one, but uh, it, was, it was a bit loose for me to really be as a member. But aside from that, the uh, whole idea of uh, a religious institution uh, namely Bhaktivedanta Manor, to be able to ultimately take care of an ever-increasing number of devotees is not practical. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, and it's not what goes on in the world outside. So what is the Varna aspect of Varnashram? The Varna is that everyone works together. Uh, and you start building social circles, just like in the world outside, of people who have like work, like thought, and they start to also support each other. The manor is an educational institution. It's meant to provide certain things that aren't available there, like what we've been talking about profusely, uh, which is having uh, a training program uh, for the youth, uh, in-house training program. And over and above that, and I think that uh, the manor is already doing uh, quite a uh, good job in terms of education, providing education and bring it for those people that do actually connect with Krishna consciousness. But ultimately a church, just like we see anyway, there's so many churches around here. Uh, a church is part of society. It is not the society. There is an international society for Krishna consciousness, but it, it may not be just Bhaktivedanta Manor, Soho Street, Manchester, Leicester, and so on put together. Those are just part, and, and those are educational institutions that are meant to actually give people that knowledge, uh, which will ultimately uh, save them. And over and beyond that, uh, the whole aspect of how we live, how we work, who goes to university, all the children in this room do not need to go to university. Guna karma vibhagasa. So Srila Prabhupada said, all right, brahmanas, brahminical inclined people, and if they're actually going to contribute something substantial by being an engineer, an architect, etc. Let them go. But otherwise, I spent a lot of time in university. I know what was going on over there. Was, and the only people who were really in 
tents, the students, the Indians, and the Chinese. <laughs> they were always there studying, and the rest of us were doing things that I won't mention. So that's, uh, but yes, anyway. So, but when that Varna actually develops, uh, and uh, actually devotees employ devotees, this is the way it goes in the Jewish community, and there are other religious communities where you, once again, you keep the money in-house and you keep the people. They're all part of one community. We work together, we employ each other, uh, and in that way we start developing youth clubs. Who was I talking to? I was talking to I was talking down, I was suggesting that we build a, uh, uh, what was it, a health, uh, not a health, but a sports center here at the manor, so that all of you who are going outside to, you know, do your morning training and other types of things, come here. If you're going swimming, then come here, uh, because where you're also getting that type of uh, input, and it's not necessarily that it has to happen to you but that devotees all go to the same place. They don't go to, what's his place, Lloyd's? <laughs> Why not go to Hare Krishna's? <laughs> where we have our own pool, where we have our own gym, where we have our own everything else, and we do everything together. Then you get a little more or a lot more of that type of social support that happens outside of a temple. Because you only spend so much time in this temple. Uh, and I'll just pass it on. How long do we go keep going on for? I'm hungry. <laughs> huh? 15 minutes, okay. <laughs> we'll, uh, there are many hands, so we'll just take quick questions and quick responses. We have about 15 minutes left. Actually, this was more of a, I've evaluated whether I should make a comment or a question. And, uh, I thought, I actually had a thought, even though I'm really, really new and really young, actually, exactly one year ago, I came to this temple for the first time and met devotees. And then she was on the two months later and told me to join the temple. <laughs> so it's been pretty quick. Uh, what I've, uh, got to say, I guess, um, what, I, what I thought about when you guys were talking, it was so amazing, was that I feel like there's a, a, there's a separate, perhaps, strategy for taking care of existing members of the world and to get to reach new people, and especially young people of, of my generation. Um, I think we, we respond much better to an approach that is more kind, more allowing, more um, that has a lot more freedom to uh, allow us to express ourselves. And that, that actually comes from the top management and the, and the senior members of the community. So I do feel that uh, there is a need not only to preach, to give programs to young people, but actually for the perhaps the, the senior to have, um, to have like a panel of a think tank, if you would, to constantly absorb and um, be progressive, to think about you know what what next, how to accommodate. So I feel like that's not like a one-person job. I'm I'm sure like there's so many seniors who I love everyone, you know. Um, but I feel like it, I haven't seen that. You know, I used to live. I lived here for six months. Um, 
and then I moved to Soho Street. Um, but I would, I mean, what I would li really like to see here is actually also the same spirit that is going on, if you would, as Soho, where we preach every day, we just go out and just preach, and that's, that's constantly going on. And then we also bring in new and young people. And I feel like it really works because uh, there is like more of that spirit that you feel when you meet, uh, when you come into the community that, oh, I'm allowed to make mistakes and I'm allowed to like uh, explore different things, I, I, I think. So I'm sure you guys already have some <laughs> ideas. So. Um, Maharaj, so um, you, when you were speaking about missionaries and um, and Akandadi, you were speaking um, of the perfection of what this con can be for the uh, devotee, for the potential devotees that are not familiar with this kind of devotee inside, and we still have a lot of work to do for that on a big level. Um, a missionary is so important because um, when you become a devotee, um, first of all, when Srila Prabhupada um, had his book review in London on his way back to Berry Place, it was a beautiful summer's day and Srila Prabhupada we had a, such a successful book review and he was uh, in, we were in the back of it was a taxi that had three parts, and Srila Prabhupada was in the middle. Was Shutaki? Oh no, um, yeah, Shutaki. No, Pajuna. He was in the middle with Pajuna, and we were in the back, either Shakti and I, Kasoya and Madhavananda. We were squashed in there. And Srila Prabhupada, he was looking out on Oxford Street, which was a summer's day, and it was a beautiful summer's day and people were in their summer clothes going about their business and Srila Prabhupada was crying. The tears were wetting his shirt and he was, we in the back of the vehicle thought we'd done something wrong, that it, the program, something had gone wrong and when we got back to Berry Place we couldn't go on with our service until we heard from Prabhupada, Shri Prabhupada, what, what was the matter? And Shri Dikiti, um, Prajuna brought us into his room and um, Shri Prabhupada looked at us and said, did you not see them? And he did it twice. Did you not see them? Of course we didn't know what he was talking about. And then Prajuna said, Pajuna, uh, it wasn't actually even Srila Prabhupada, Pajuna turned and said to us, Srila Prabhupada was crying because he told me they don't even know that they are suffering. So we have to imbibe that mood that suddenly we might not know everything, we might not know the scriptures, the shastras, like we should. We might not know that we must chant or we have pseudonym on our tongue and realize everything. But we have to have this mood that we have found the truth and the truth is going to 
enlighten us in every way during the period of time that we are here. And that there are people out there that haven't heard it. They have no knowledge of it, like Maharaj was saying, the people that have the money, the people that have their swimming pools, their houses, like the Beckham. We actually had a program with Jai Hari and Shang Sunda to um, uh, uh, preach to the celebrities. And we were very successful. Very successful. We not only had the Beatles, but we had um, uh, Lisa Manelli, we had Peter Sellers. Um, we had so many people like that that we had a, a group of people that just concentrated on that. But if you're a missionary, you have the greatest um, understanding coming from directly from the Lord, from Mahatma. Because when you're stood on that street, you it's a very scary thing. And your overriding fear is that, wow, <laughs> I'm on this street, but there are people out there that really need to hear from me. They really need this book. That should override everything. And it hasn't, you go back to the your mentor to the temple and, and you try to have this this vibe and when you stand there that's when the miracle happens because when you stand there in the hearts of potential devotees and you don't know who is going to come along Krishna, Mahaprabhu Lord Nityananda they will work in the hearts of those people out there and send you someone and how many devotees on Sankatan have had that experience? Put your hand up. Everybody. You're waiting because that is what happens. When your overriding mood is to help the other living entities, even if you don't know everything, but you've got enough faith that this is the truth and those do not have it. And they are suffering immensely. And Lord Chaitanya will make sure that you will have those miracles that will happen. And your faith will grow till it's bursting. Thank you, Pastor Shatis. When I mentioned this morning, um, that many devotees have done things far beyond the call of duty, far beyond what is possible. The person I had most in my mind at that moment was Asta Shaki, but I was so grateful for local Dristi then to explain the service that she did in that particular period in 1982. So, thank you. You've given us the hint that I think is at the core of everything we've been discussing. Did you not see, did you not see the suffering that everyone else is going under? Because this is the difficulty that we have as Grihastas. As Grihastas, we have to think about a home and job and money and looking after the kids. 
we tend to look out and see others who have and envy. We think, I would like to be sorted. I would like to have that security. I would like to have that hope. I would like this. We look out and think that others in economy and material life are okay. In fact, we're almost envious. We're almost aspirational after what they've got. And that is not the move that we're trying to get as devotees. We actually have to have this vision. How are they suffering? And it's only that surrender and that process of Krishna consciousness that takes us to the point where we actually see that everyone else is suffering because they haven't got Krishna. And actually, we're all okay. We're okay. We've got Krishna. Uh, we're sorted. We'll, we'll never want. We'll never... You know, there'll be ups and downs, there'll be challenges, but actually, we're not after. But without Krishna, how do they live? How do they survive? We have to help them. Oh, people. Um, yeah, it, it, it's in response to Krishna Dharma's question. I, I think there's sufficient scope for each of us to look after ten people. Simple principle. When Moses was leading the Hebrews out of Egypt, each person looked after ten people. And each of those looked after ten people. And thousands of people were looked after in that way. When he joined the British Army or any big institution, one person looks after a certain select number, he looked after another number. If each person in this room looked after ten people, in all ways, in all aspects of their Krishna consciousness, our movement would double, triple, multiply by ten. There's a very successful church in America where they started off with seven people. Now they have 35,000, all being looked after, but in small groups. And each person knows two facts. Who's looking after you, and who are you looking after? If I ask the questions, we normally ask questions, how many rounds, how many books, what's your service? But I ask the question, who's looking after you? Who cares for you? If you can't answer that question, you're stuck. The second question I would ask you is, who are you looking after? If you can't answer that question, the movement is stuck. Very simple. And in answer to Mataji's question, my old friend Jibhubanath was made temple president of the London temple, the biggest temple, not the biggest temple, but the temple that fulfilled Prabhupada's dreams. He was 18. Kandidi, how old were you when he became temple president? Uh, 27. 27. Yeah. You're one of the youngest sannyasis in the world, sitting to my life. Krishna consciousness, in one sense, is meant for the youth. It's meant for young people. Probably empowered young people. Don't look at us and see the future, please. You'll be disappointed. <laughs> the future is for if you're under thirty and you don't have uh, and you haven't been given a responsibility to take Krishna consciousness into the next fifty years, start putting your foot down. Start demanding. Start saying, Where is my service? Where's my responsibility? Where's my temple?
Virtue Brewing after group, because it's more interesting. I was, uh, I can't remember what year it was. Uh, I was at GBC, I was in Soro Street. Uh, actually, on a regular basis, at a certain point, Tribunath Prabhu, who had sort of become inactive in Iskan and went out and was working, he used to come to uh, Soho. He used to come with his little daughter with this phenomenally curly hair. Gopi was her name. And uh, we would talk. And then he would go, he was in a suit and tie, and he would just come out from lunch break. And uh, he was entangled, but he was, he was Tribunath, he was a devotee. So one day he said, came and he said, Maharaj, I want to move back in. I said, well, what, what brought that on? He said, I had a dream. Prabhupada came to me a dream. And he said, if you don't go back, I can't help you anymore. Now on that day, then, or the, whatever day he came, he came a little later. On that day he came in and it was great. Chibunath, okay, go up, shave up. And all of a sudden some strange person, Scottish person, Kishore, you remember? Comes walking in, going up the branch house, and they say, hey, what are you doing? He says, I'm moving in. <laughs> Where did you come from? I didn't, I didn't know him. That was... Uh... So Srila Prabhupada is out there. And uh, Srila Prabhupada, both for his disciples and non-devotees. This is just an example from Sankatan. Someone uh, sent me a few weeks ago at the most. And I was a devotee was on the street and uh, selling books. This was in Hungary. And uh, stops a girl and she doesn't want to talk. And he's got, you know, he's got the book in his arm. But as she's leaving, she catches sight of the picture of Prabhupada. She says, who is he? What's that book? And he turns it around and says, well, this is the Bhagavad Gita. So this is a current. This is someone who doesn't know Krishna consciousness, nothing. He says, I had a dream. And that man appeared to me. And he said, you have to go and buy this book and read it. <laughs> so we may not all be out there. The Prabhupada is. <laughs> and I'll just tell the last story, which is, you may, may have heard, but some of you, I think, may have not. And this is in uh, Romania, in Bucharest, which is the capital of Romania. A nice city. And uh, now we have uh, devotees there. There's one devotee, Radical Linda, who he's now also initiating. He's my disciple and is initiating. Uh, which is uh, very nice. But he moved there from Moldavia. I asked him to go to Bucharest with his wife. Very, very mature devotees. He's a phenomenal preacher. Uh, knows English, Romanian, Russian. And uh, after a couple of years, he was getting very despondent. 
uh, he wasn't getting very much feedback. It was just him and his wife that were living in this really horrible uh, sort of tenement house, uh, not the best uh, neighbors up on the 14th floor. And uh, and he was really struggling. He wasn't uh, getting any finances. Uh, he was doing regular programs, but there were few people. So he was really thinking of just approaching me and asking to leave and go back. He came from a very good setup where there were devotees. So meanwhile, somewhere else, there's this husband and wife. The lady's a, a yoga instructor, uh, and the husband does all kinds of other things, uh, teaching other new age. I don't know if we even use that term, new age, still in vogue. Anyway, he's teaching things. And this lady has a dream. And this robed person approaches her and tells her, you're going to meet a spiritual person and I want you to help her. And I want you to do whatever it takes for him to be successful. She's, you know, she wakes up, tells her husband, she has the faintest idea. What is this all about? What spiritual person am I going to meet? What am I supposed to do? Anyway, a uh, few weeks later, she does get brought, comes to the program, and she walks into, it's just a really rented hall. They rent it on Sundays, and of course they put up pictures, Krishna Prabhupada, altar, and there's a big picture of Shri Prabhupada, roll up. So she comes in, and it's him. He's the one who appeared in his dream. And she goes over to Radha Govinda and she says, who is that? He says, he's the founder of a movement. She tells him, she tells him what the dream was. He said, he said how can I help you? So, you know, whatever they were selling in the shop, she just bought everything. And, and then they really started. They had a whole group, uh, that whole group all joined, and last summer I was there. Uh, they initiated 14 devotees, not me. He initiated 14 devotees. I don't initiate any devotees. And here's Sri Prabhupada coming to a non-devotee, telling him you're going to meet some spiritual people. I want you to help them. And impresses it so much in their heart that she's like, you know, she's sold out. Uh, so Prabhupada's out there uh, constantly. Who knows what he's doing right now while we're having a good time. Dashu Prabhupada ki So I think uh, I see many more hands and I think we have to come to the conclusion for today. I, I hope we'll have many more opportunities to discuss these beautiful subjects. Uh, just request everyone if we could show our appreciation for our wonderful panelists.
uh, Krishna's interventions in the many more chapters of the Krishna Consciousness Movement to come. So thank you all for being here today. Uh, the program will continue at 4.30. Uh, for the disciples of Srila Prabhupada and for uh, other senior Vaishnavas, we uh, invite you to come to the temple room. We'll be having a very, very special uh, flower Abhishek of Shishi Radha Gopalananda. And for all our other guests, we'll be uh, continuing the program in the Haveli. You'll be able to uh, observe everything from there. And then we'll uh, congregate all together in the Haveli in the evening for a beautiful play uh, organized by the Pandavasena on Srila Prabhupada's life. And in this way, uh, our festival will continue into the evening. Maharaj, I have 30 seconds. It's only 30 seconds. <laughs> Generally now, I'm in a retired mode, but what I tell devotees who are in leadership positions uh, say that if you want to be successful, and now we're talking about what about the successes of Bhaktivedanta for the next 50 years, know what Srila Prabhupada wants and says. What Prabhupada said in his books, in his talks, in his lectures, you have to study that. Know what Prabhupada wants, and if you do what Prabhupada wants, Radical Kulanda are obliged to make it happen. That's just the formula of success. Just follow Prabhupada's instruction and you'll always be successful. We start dreaming up new things, there's no guarantee, it's just up to our karma. But when it's up to children, when it's Prabhupada's instruction, then it's Krishna and Krishna's bound. He has to make what Prabhupada said uh, come true.